Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. The Old Testament book of Deuteronomy in chapter number 18. Remember, Deuteronomy is at the beginning of the Bible. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The fifth book of the Bible. We're going to the book of Deuteronomy as we begin our series of the minor prophets. Now, what we're going to do in this series is we're going to take one minor prophet a week and go through uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. The next week we'll go through another minor prophet. And so what that means is that for some of the minor prophets, all we're going to do is a quick survey or quick couple messages to give you a taste, to give you an overview of them, to uh, get you familiar with the minor prophets for yourself. So that way when you read them, in your own personal Bible reading, that you begin to understand it. You have things to look for. You have a context in mind. And it will help you fall in love with these wonderful books of the Bible. Now, before we can actually talk about the minor prophets, it is proper that we take some time to explain what is a prophet. And so that's what we're going to do today. And in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter number 18, God gives Moses some requirements, some explanation on what a prophet is. And so the best place to start is where God starts. And so we find our way to the book of Deuteronomy chapter number 18. The book of Deuteronomy chapter number 18. And if you don't mind, let's start in verse number 15. The book of Deuteronomy chapter number 18, starting at verse 15, the word of God says this, the Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him ye shall hearken. According to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire any more, that I die not. And the Lord said unto me, They have well spoken that which they have spoken. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. But the prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. And if thou shalt say in thine heart, How shall we know the word which the Lord hath not spoken? When a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not, nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken. But the prophet hath spoken presumptuously. Thou shalt not be afraid of that man. 
And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, will you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Deuteronomy chapter number 18? The book of Deuteronomy chapter number 18. And notice with me in verse number 18, notice as God is telling Moses here, will put my words in his mouth. Will put my words in his mouth. And with the Lord's help, I'd like to preach a message on the ministry of the prophets. The ministry of the prophets. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. I'm asking that you would give us grace and that you would give us understanding, that you would help us as we start to open up this, to be able to understand how important it is to have a man of God, to have a prophet, to have someone speaking, thus saith the Lord, and that it come from you and the responsibility we have for hearing a prophet, a messenger, a man of God. Thank you again. Let this be clear. Let it be understandable. Help us to build a good foundation that we can look forward and anticipate what we find written in the prophets. Thank you again. And we love you. And in Jesus name we pray. Amen. As we begin this, we're going to begin with just a very simple idea here. What is a prophet? What is a prophet? Now the word prophet is used 450 times in the word of God. So it's quite a big deal. God has made mention or the word prophet is made mention 450 times in the word of God. But the prophet was also known by other names. Here are some other names that the prophet, a prophet was known as. A man of God. When you see the idea of a man of God, this carries the idea of this office of a prophet. And we're going to explain what the prophet does here in just a bit. But we can see that he was known as a man of God. In the Bible, a prophet was also known as the servant of the Lord. The servant of the Lord. So he was a man of God, a man who God had sent. He was a servant of the Lord. That's all he was, was God's servant. God was the master. He was the servant. We could see in the Bible that in addition, it is also called the messenger. He's called a messenger. You'll see that referred to the same idea of a prophet. You'll also see this, which is an important title, a watchman. A watchman. So these are names synonymous with a prophet. And this is a big deal. God has placed a big emphasis on this idea, this office of a prophet. And what God has expected a prophet to do. Now, as we're understanding what a prophet is, there are some things that the book of Deuteronomy chapter 18 explains a little bit about uh, um, what is a prophet. If you don't mind, notice with me in Deuteronomy 18, and let's start at verse number 15. It says, the Lord will raise up unto thee a prophet. Now notice in your Bible here, you'll notice at verse 15 and verse 18 that it, the word prophet is capitalized. The reason why is that this is actually a prophecy of the great prophet yet to come, of Jesus Christ. That as Moses is giving his goodbye speech and is taking time before he passes away and the children of Israel cross the Red Sea, he says, guess what? As much as I was a man of God that God used to deliver the, the word of God to you, 
there's someone greater that you need to look forward to. And that's Jesus Christ. That great prophet's going to come. And let me tell you, because we're talking about a prophet and the great prophet to come, let me tell you a little bit about what a prophet is. Notice if you don't mind in verse 15. And the Lord will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, out of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him shall ye hearken. Now again, dealing with the idea of a prophecy of Christ, we know that Jesus Christ was going to grow up or come as a Hebrew, as a Jewish person from the tribe of Judah, and that he was going to be among them. He was going to be someone God had raised up, and God did raise up Jesus to deliver a message. Well, at the same time, we could see that it's also marking what a prophet is. What is a prophet? He's someone that God calls out in the midst of someone. He's just a person that God has called out. There's nothing special about him. He wasn't born under a great star or come from a foreign land to tell you something. But it was someone that God had raised up from the midst of the people that God said, I'm choosing you to be my messenger, to be my person. Notice if you don't mind in verse 16. According to all that thou desirest, of the Lord thy God in Horeb, in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire any more that I die not. Now, this is referring back to the Ten Commandments. Remember last year as we went through the, the uh, life and ministry of Moses, and we explained that the Ten Commandments in Genesis or Exodus chapter 20. That God delivered him himself. God spoke the Ten Commandments to the people of Israel. They heard God's voice. And what was their response? Please, Moses, you go talk to God. We can't hear God's voice anymore. We're going to die. Please, you go. Remember, notice what it says. According to all that thou desirest. The people said, we cannot hear from God himself. We just can't handle it. So Moses, will you be the messenger that God speaks to you? Then you deliver to us what God has told us. Notice the people desired that. And so God says, if that's how you want to go with things, then I'm going to continue to raise up men of God, prophets, servants of the Lord, watchmen, who are going to do that. I'm going to speak to them. Then they're going to deliver to you the word of God. Does that make sense? Yeah. This is where it came from. The people asked God to do this. So God said, fine, that's a good thing. Let's do that. I will speak to someone. They will tell you. Now, there's a responsibility with that too. That if God speaks to the preacher, to the man of God, to the prophet, and delivers God's word to the people. Then they should obey it. Because it came from God. Does it make sense? This was the expectation. Of what they were supposed to respond to a prophet. This is, comes from, the, from God. It's not the prophet's message. It's God's message. He's just the messenger boy. I need to respond. As it came from God himself. Because it did. Amen. Notice as it goes on. Verse 17. And the Lord said unto me, they have well spoken that which they have spoken. Notice God says, that's a good plan. Let's do that. 
Verse 18, so I, God, will raise them up a prophet. Again, it's giving a prophecy of Jesus Christ to come. I'll do that. I'm going to send someone to speak on my behalf to you, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we know that this is a dual prophecy, meaning that he's also going to raise up other lowercase prophets. But he's going to eventually send Jesus Christ. But the same things are going to apply. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren like unto thee. And I will put my words in his mouth. And he shall speak unto them all that I command him. So here's a prophet. He is supposed to deliver God's message. God speaks to the prophet. The prophet delivers the message to the people. And it is God's message. The prophet's just the preacher boy. Just the messenger. Verse 19. And it shall come to pass. Here's the responsibility. It shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words. Which he shall speak in my name. I will require it of him. Notice this, because it's not the preacher's message, it's God's message. And this is how the people wanted it. He says, now you are still uh, responsible for it because it is God's message. Do you understand that every message that you hear from a preacher who's preaching from God's word, who's preaching what God's told him to do, you're responsible to obey? Because it's not the pastor's message. It's not the preacher's message. It's not the prophet's message. It's God's message. And you are expected to obey it as if God himself said it. Because it is God's words. You understand this is a big responsibility for the hearers. And God says "You're, you're responsible for it. You are going to be judged by how well you obeyed the messenger that God gave you. That's a big responsibility. We are supposed to obey. But notice this. Now with this we also see that the prophet. Just catch up some things here. His message is supposed to be unerringly accurate. Because he's supposed to deliver exactly what God gave him to do. He's not supposed to add to it. He's not supposed to give his thoughts. Not supposed to give his opinions. He's supposed to deliver exactly what God has given to him. Because the people are responsible for obeying that. So his message must be unerringly accurate. That's a big deal. His message is also supposed to always encourage obedience to God. Remember, we've explained before the difference between Bible teaching and biblical preaching. Both of them use the Bible. Bible teaching gives you information. Bible preaching always brings you to the place of decision. Meaning, you ha- because you heard this, you are expected to obey. What are you supposed to do? Because of this, his message is always supposed to encourage obedience to God. You need to obey the Lord because of what you heard. There was never a message to be given by a prophet that would cause the people to question God. Because it's all supposed to point to God. Look to him. Look to him. Look to him. He's supposed to point things to God. With that, because of that, his message could never contradict God's word. Because God's word never contradicts itself. So his message can't contradict God's word. It has to be exactly what God has given to them. Notice if you don't mind. (coughs) um, 
with this also idea, that means that the message of the prophet could not be altered in order to satisfy an audience like the king or someone else. He's supposed to deliver this. By the way, that's also why many prophets died a martyr's, martyr's death because the king didn't like their message. Notice if you don't mind as we continue on in verse number 20. But the prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak. I want you to notice that word presume. It's going to show up again in a couple more verses. But this is a big deal. The word presume here carries the idea, if you could um, expect something, that God's told me a message and I'm assuming it's God's message, but I didn't get a direct thing from him. I'm presuming to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. Now that's in the Old Testament, but you understand that the qualification here is that he could not, he had to know for sure this is what God had given him to say. Not saying, it's Sunday what do I talk to the people about? I'll just do whatever I want. That's dangerous. Now again, we're making a modern application. But here, the same thing here with the prophet, with the messenger of God, that he's not supposed to presume to speak a word in God's name if God didn't tell him to. By the way, this is why um, mama called and daddy said preachers do not work well. God has to send the messenger. God's the one who picks them. God's the one who tells them what to say. It's a very big deal to be a messenger of God's word. Notice as it goes on. Well, it says that he shall die, but notice verse 21. And if thou shalt say in thine heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord hath not spoken? That's a good question. Well, I don't think God has sent my preacher... I think he's just saying what he wants. So how do I know? Do you just say, well, you know, I think my pastor's just making stuff up. So I don't have to listen to him. Well, my pastor wasn't wearing the right tie today. So I don't have to listen to him. Well, you know, and they'll come up with all kinds of excuses. I was with chaplains this week and we took a little time just laughing about how often people have roast preacher. Meaning afterwards they like to talk about why they don't have to listen to the preacher? Because he did this, because he did this. Can you believe he did this? Can you believe he said this? He didn't shake my hand. He didn't whatever else. And people start looking for a reason. So they, oh, listen, there's people that are not saying God's word. How do I know that? And God says, all right, well, let's figure this out. When a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, and if the thing follow not. Now, this is dealing with the idea of the Old Testament preacher if a prophet predicts something and it does not come to pass, he lost his ministry. You understand, it is a big deal. By the way, how many false preachers today have predicted stuff? For example, in 1988, there was a guy who wrote a book that says, 88 reasons why God is coming in 88. Well, when God didn't come in 1988... He wrote a sequel, 89 Reasons Why God is Coming in 89. Well, that's a false preacher. To predict something to come to pass, and it doesn't. Now, this was a big deal, because remember at this time, the Bible is being written. 
And God is saying, I'm going to use prophets to help deliver my message. And in order to back up what they say, there are times that I'm going to tell them what's going to happen in the future. To confirm what I said. For example, in the book of Isaiah, it gives a prophecy of the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. A sign have I given unto you. And there was an immediate fulfillment to show that the, prophet, the message that the prophet had was going to be true. That happens quite often in the Bible. And that's something we pay attention to in the minor prophets. Because we have the uh, 2020 hindsight of history. We can look back and say, look, their prophecy came to pass. Therefore, the rest of their message is also true. We better pay attention to it. So God says, hey, if anybody starts making predictions, that's why we should be always careful about people who start slinging about predictions. And quite a few preachers do that today. Very dangerous ground. Let me tell you, according to God, they're not God called. God didn't send them and they're not God's message. Be very, very careful with those prophets even today. But notice this, verse 22. When a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not, nor come to pass, is the thing which the Lord had not spoken. But the prophet hath spoken it presumptuously. Notice that word presume once again comes here. Thou shall not be afraid of him. Now, Notice that. Don't be afraid of that guy who's making false predictions. You know what that has the reverse of? You should be afraid of the one who's delivering God's word. Why? Because it's God's word and you are expected to obey God's word if it's delivered from God's man. You understand? That's where that fear comes from. You have a responsibility to obey now, this is just Deuteronomy chapter 18. May I give you a quick overview of some other things the Bible says? Not only what is a prophet, but the second thing I'd like to bring to your attention is the duties of a prophet. The duties of the prophet. What is the duties of the prophet? What is a prophet supposed to do? This is something that you need to understand. They are to boldly declare God's message to God's people in the historical context of the day. What are they supposed to do? They are to boldly declare God's message to God's people. In the historical context of the day. You understand that the Bible was not written in a bubble. But there are historical things that were occurring... Especially as we deal with the minor prophets. You cannot divorce the minor prophets from the history of its time. By the way, you cannot divorce today's pastor preaching a message from the historical context of the time. Because history is changing. Haven't we seen some history in the last couple of years? Without a doubt. And we have to preach a message. A God sent preacher is delivering a message to God's people from God in the historical context of the day. If they are delivering a message of the historical context of the day, you must, must, must understand the history of the day to get the full context. Does it make sense? This is part of, in order to make the minor prophets, to have it make sense, you must understand the historical context. 
We're going to cover that as we go through it. That's why after going through here, you'll be able to understand the minor prophets a lot better because we'll give you the historical context. And you go, okay, that makes sense. Where if you didn't have the historical context, you may be a little bit confused. Does this make sense? All right. So with that, there are two senses of the prophets, two types, two parts of the prophet. First of all is forth telling. Forth telling. I want you to understand this. Forth telling. This is the broadest sense. This is what we do today is forth telling. They are to give insights to God's will and encourage people to follow God's will. We're forth telling. We're just encouraging you and giving you insight of God's will and encouraging you to follow God's will. Now, they are different. A prophet in the Old Testament was different than a Levitical priest. The Levitical priest, their ministry was teaching and not preaching. Does that make sense? The Levitical priest, their job was just to teach the word of God. Whereas the prophet, he was preaching. And remember, preaching is always for a verdict, always for a decision. The preacher was bringing people, the prophet was preaching to bring people to the place of decision. What are you going to do with this information? So we understand that this is why God still had the Levitical system. And the prophets didn't cross. They didn't uh, overflow. They didn't replace. The Levites were to teach the word of God. To teach people what the Bible said. To teach them the Ten Commandments. To teach them the laws. The prophet was to deliver God's message. To help people understand God's will. And then bring them to the place, are you going to obey? So that was the first idea of the prophet, is that they were to foretell. The second part was foretelling. Foretelling. So foretelling, which is just preaching this is what God said, help you understand what God said, to help you make the decision. Then the other part was foretelling, which we do not have today because the Bible is a closed revelation. It's finished. But they predicted God's judgment and blessing. They prophesied. They were delivering God's message of what he was going to do in the future. By the way, if you've never written this down, you've heard me say this before, but if you've never written it down, prophetic preaching is never given for the purpose of satisfying curiosity. Prophetic preaching was always always given for the purpose of changing behavior. We have to be careful with that today because prophecy preaching is quite popular today, but all it is is make people tickle their ears. I know some knowledge, but very rarely is it used for the idea of what are you going to do because you heard this message. Prophecy preaching in the Bible was never say, hey, let me tell you something you didn't know. You have Jeremiah. Let me tell you what God's going to do. Now fix things. You understand? Elijah. King, it's not going to rain until I'm finished. Until I say, see you later. What was the expectation? For them to get right and prayed and talk to God. There was an expectation of a response. So when you read the Minor Prophets, you need to not only see what they're predicting, but also look about how the people were expected to respond. 
You need to have your eyes open. Look for that. When you read the book of Isaiah, look for what the expected response. When you read Ezekiel, look for the expected response. When you read Daniel, what was the expected response? Predictive preaching was never given to satisfy curiosity, but always given to change our behavior. There was another duty of a prophet, and this was the idea of a watchman. I'm not going to turn there for the sake of time, but mark somewhere Ezekiel chapter 3 and Ezekiel chapter 33. Ezekiel 3 and Ezekiel 33, which says the same place that he was calling Ezekiel to the ministry and says, I am placing you as a watchman. What is a watchman? Well, a watchman in those days were someone who would sit on the fence to sit on the um, walls of a city and he was to watch out for enemies, whether it was wild animals. Now, in those days, lions were a terror. If you didn't have wolves, lions could come into an encampment and just tear people up. So you would have somebody who was on watch. If a lion comes, lion! And everybody would be warned. They would be on the watch and they would look and say, look, bandits, everyone be ready. Bandits, robbers are coming. Hey, enemy army's coming. Well, if a watchman saw that there was danger coming and he said, eh, I don't care. They're not going to listen anyways. Then the Bible said that the watchman their, their people's blood was on their hands. They may have died because of their sins, but the watchman was responsible for the blood of those people. Bloody hands. So the idea of a prophet here is that he was the watchman. Danger! Danger! Stop doing that! You are going to get in trouble. Stop that! And if he said, you know what? The people are tired of hearing me give warnings. They're not listening to me anyways. I'm, just, I'm not preaching anymore. Then the Bible says that the preacher is going to be in trouble with God. You understand this is a big deal to deliver God's message even to an audience that doesn't look. You say, but, but doesn't everyone love prophets? Oh yeah, that's why uh, God's told Jeremiah, don't look at their faces. Because if you preach to their faces, you're not going to want to preach longer. I keep threatening. I'm going to put cameras up and I'm going to get look at your faces sometimes and see if you could preach to a crowd that's... <laughs> I'm preaching for him, not you. So you understand... He was supposed to be a watchman to warn them of dangers even if they didn't want to hear it. That's part of being a watchman. Now these were the duties of a prophet. With this, we also have to understand this, the context of the prophets. The context of the prophets. Now even though Moses was considered a prophet in scripture, he was honestly more of an administrator. He helped lead the people. He administrated, put things together. The prophets in the Bible classically start with Samuel. If you don't know that bit of Bible trivia, you need to know it. Samuel was considered the first prophet. So Samuel was the first prophet. And the last prophet is John the Baptist. So the prophets span from Samuel to John the Baptist. John the Baptist is classically the last prophet. And so the offices of the prophets would span during that time. 
And you cannot separate the prophet from the context of their day. You have to understand the historical context. This is why you must know history. You must know these things because, and to know where the minor prophets sit. Remember, the minor prophets are not in historical order. That's why we have a chronological Bible. So you got there. So you have to understand as the prophets go, what is the context? This is why one of the things to help you study, I just had a pastor the other day said, how do I get my folks to understand? How do, how do I get them to know more of the Bible and understand it? The world kingdoms. You must know historically the world kingdoms. By the way, those world kingdoms are put in prophecy order in the book of Daniel because it is that important. Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 6. You must know those. We'll cover the world empires in just a second. But the writing prophets began in about 90, uh, the 9th century BC and continued into the 5th century BC. So let's, as we cover the context of the prophets, here are the world empires and you must know them if you're going to have a good understanding of the Bible. The first world empire would be the Assyrian empire. The Assyrians. The Assyrians, according to historians, would be called the Nazis of the ancient world. That's how evil and bad they were. I meant even the good of their kings were evil. For example, Sennacherib. Considered to be one of the greatest Assyrian kings in goodness. Was known that when he would conquer a town. He would take the heads of all the male soldiers who fought against them. And put their heads and put them into a pyramid outside of town. That was the good king. And they got a lot eviler. The Assyrians were known for filleting people alive. You say what does that mean? That means they took off their skin. Did you know, by the way, the Nazis did that in Germany? That if they saw a, a Jewish person with a great tattoo, they would peel their skin off, tan it and stretch it out and put it as lampshades. So they would have actually lampshades inside of their houses that would have the skin of a Jewish person in there, in their home. And they would consider that a great prize. But the Assyrians, they would skin people while they were still alive, take off their flesh, and then they would stretch it outside of a town, a city wall that they conquered to say, ah, look at what we did. We're, we just skinned the flesh of them. Now, like I said, the Assyrians, don't you think they would influence history just a bit? Don't you think that the minor prophets would have to deal with the influence and the culture of the Assyrians? Now the world empires, what we're talking about is who had the main dominance over that entire region that Israel fed, fit in. This was a big deal. And the Assyrians had, was the world empire for 700 years. They kind of waned and flowed. But during the prophets like Jonah... Jonah, you cannot understand the book of Jonah unless you understand who the Assyrians are. It changes the entire book. We'll cover the book of Jonah, of course, later on. But you understand that Sunday school thing that you heard about Jonah is wrong. Or may I say incomplete? You must understand that the Assyrians are a big deal. You read through the book of Nahum. Nahum is talking about the destruction of Nineveh. A couple hundred years after Jonah preached there by the way. 
And to understand why is God so angry with the city? Because they were the Nazis of the ancient world. And by the way, in the book of Nahum, he had spoken so completely about burying that city that years later in the 1800s when Napoleon walked over. Napoleon and his soldiers walked over the buried city of Nineveh and didn't even know it. Just like God promised. You understand, this is a big deal. You cannot take the prophets out. And so you must understand the Assyrians and what a big deal was. Of course, you would have to also understand that the Assyrians had destroyed the northern kingdom of Samaria in what year class? 722 BC. Again, every class that I teach you must know those dates. Must, 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 must. So by the way, if there's a minor prophet that is dealing with the Ninevites, when are they going to probably be dealing with? Sometime before 722 BC. Does that make sense? That's, you must know those dates. Now afterwards, this, <laughs> the, the world empire of Nineveh was replaced by the Babylonian empire. The Babylonian empire. The Babylonian empire <coughs> took over after the northern um, kingdom of Samaria was destroyed. Shortly after that, there was a time where the Babylonians came and the Babylonian empire was very much threatening the, the country of Judah and threatening the city of Judah and very much had influence. It was under the empire of the Babylonians that you have Ezekiel, that you have Daniel, that you have Jeremiah, that you have Habakkuk, that you have some of these other minor prophets that are dealing with the threat. The Babylonians are coming. The Babylonians are coming. Get right with God now. God is sending them to destroy us because you won't get right. Get right, get right, get right. And you'll see that no matter if it's a minor prophet or a major prophet, this was the message that was given here. God sending destruction. Get right. Get right. This was such a big deal. You cannot understand the book of Habakkuk if you do not understand the Babylonian empire. You cannot get the grasp of the book of Jeremiah or Ezekiel without understanding. And of course, the book of uh, Daniel takes place in Babylon. And so you have to understand these world empires throw a big shadow and put the context. And you cannot understand the context, the, the completeness of the minor prophet or the major prophet without the world history behind it. After the um, Babylonian Empire was destroyed, by the way, forgot to say, the Babylonian Empire took over the city of Jerusalem in what year class? 586 BC. 586 BC. A date you must know. 586 BC, the Babylonians came and destroyed the city of Jerusalem. In 536 BC, the Persian Empire rose up and destroyed the Babylonian Empire. By the way, it was predicted in the book of Isaiah. It was recorded in the book of Daniel. And so Cyrus the Great comes. He destroys the Babylonian Empire, the great Babylonian Empire. Takes it for himself. Sets up the Persian Empire. And thus you have set up 
some of the books of the Bible. Of course, the book of Ezra comes back as Cyrus the Great says, All right, all you captive Jewish people, go home and rebuild your kingdom. And so they go, they rebuild the temple foundation. The grown men cried, the young men cheered, and everyone heard about it. And then opposition came. And they left the foundation there for 15 years. 15 years they had the temple there. God said rebuild the house and they did nothing. So you know what God did? Is he rose up two minor prophets by the name of Haggai and Zechariah. And had those two preachers preach. Build God's house. Build God's house. Now Haggai was a little bit more direct. Build God's house. Let me tell you why things are falling apart in your life. Let me tell you when you pull your wallet out and there's nothing in it. Let me tell you why. When it feels like you, uh, you get paid and the next thing you go, the money's blown. It is a judgment of God because you have not taken care of my house. He's the mean preacher. Then you have Zechariah, who's the nice preacher, says, guess what? God wants to bless you. And let me tell you some things here. Let me give you some prophecies. Let me give you some things. Now build the house. So you had the mean preacher, build the house now. And the other one says, God loves you, build the house. And God used both of those preachers to guess what happened. What was expected for them to do? Build the house. Now, if you don't understand that the house was destroyed by the Babylonians, and if you don't understand that Cyrus the Great had sent back, and that the people were waiting to build God's house, and they weren't, and they weren't obedient to it, then you're not going to understand the purpose of the prophecies of Zechariah. You will not understand why God is so angry and commanding the people to rise up and work in the book of Haggai. And of course, as the people got on, they started to slip back into their old sins. And so God had Malachi come behind and said, don't do the same things again. Stop giving your excuses. Follow after God. And so again, to understand the prophets, and as we go into this series of the Minor Prophets, you must understand the historical context. They are going to be invaluable for you to understand what the Minor Prophets are speaking about. Otherwise, when you read them, you go, I have no clue what's going on. You must know what's going on in history because the Bible is not written in a bubble. Outside forces are putting context, and the preachers are delivering God's message to God's people in the historical context of their day. You cannot separate the history from the message. They are one and the same. They are a part of it. Now with that, <coughs> we now see this. The place for the prophets. The place of the prophets. What were the place of the prophets? What are the prophets to do? And how do they affect us? That's a good question. I mean, sure, we can understand that God was telling Haggai, get off your butt, work, build the house. And he said, well, he's talking to the Hebrew people. It's easy to say, hey, yeah, well, okay, I understand what's going on. What does that do for me? Well, that's a good question. Well, we understand that the prophets are the glue that holds the Old and New Testament together. If you think about not having the prophets, you go through the history. All right, you have Jerusalem destroyed. Then you got some nice poetical books. Now you got Jesus. How did this happen? Well, the minor prophets help 
put the glue together, help tie in the history to where Jesus Christ is, to help bring us to where we're at. Because they were saying, this is where we're at, but that's where we're looking to. This is where we're at, but that's what we're looking to. Remember that God never had a plan B, and he never changed from his plan. The plan was always Jesus Christ. And with just the histories, you don't see that. But the prophets point to Christ. That's what we're looking for. That's where we're going. Everything flows from that plan or through that plan. May I prove it to you? Turn with me to the book of Luke. The gospel record of Luke chapter 24. The gospel record of Luke chapter 24. Now I hope that I'm getting you excited. This is the purpose of it while I'm trying to tell you, uh, giving an introduction to the minor prophets. This is important. This is good stuff. And I want to give you more context. So when you read it, you go, I get it. I see what's going on. This is good stuff. But let me show you what is the whole purpose of the prophets? Why were they given? How does it affect us? Well, notice with me in the gospel record of Luke chapter 24. Now, remember in the gospel record of Luke chapter 24, Jesus has been killed, was buried in a borrowed tomb, rose again the third day. And on the day that he rose up, he was walking with two guys on a road to Aramaeus. And the guys from Aramaeus is sad and they're kicking their feet. And Jesus comes up and they didn't recognize him. And he goes, why are you guys sad? Where have you been at? Have you not heard? We followed a guy named Jesus. He was our hope. He was our everything. And they killed him three days ago. But we heard today that he rose from the dead. And we just don't know what to think. And he goes, why are you so sad? Isn't that what you wanted? And he gets up behind him. And notice what happens in Luke 24 and verse number 25. Luke chapter 24 and verse 25. And he said, this is Jesus, said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and enter in his glory? Notice this, verse 25, what did the prophets speak about? They spoke about Christ suffering these things and enter into his glory. That's what the prophets spoke about. Verse 27, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. You know what Jesus did that day? Oh, I can't wait to get to heaven and check out that DVD or whatever they use in those days. Imagine the greatest message in the world, Jesus taking the Bible and beginning at the Bible and saying, this is me, 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 here's me, here's me. So you understand what the prophets do? The purpose of the prophets is to reveal God to us. The purpose of the prophets is to teach us more about God. Therefore, the prophets are important. The prophets are not just a book about Nineveh or about building the temple. They are books about God that tells us something special and unique about who God is. And if we do not know about the minor prophets, then we're missing some of what God wants to tell us about himself. Jesus took Moses and all the prophets. Notice that word all. What does all mean? All. Do you think that he skipped the book of Habakkuk? Do you think that, you know, Obadiah is only one chapter. 
You understand all the prophets. Man, can you imagine what a Bible lesson that would have been that day to hear Jesus say, here's me, here's me, here's me. And that's what the minor prophets do for us. We learn more about God and the preparation of what he is. One more verse. You guys have listened very well. And I hope that you're getting stirred up. I hope that you're saying, you know what? This isn't going to be a boring series after all. This is going to be good stuff. And it is going to be good stuff. Turn with me to the book of Galatians. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians. Galatians chapter 4. The prophets are so important. And yet so little people know anything about the minor prophets. Yeah, you've heard the story of Jonah, but other than that, what do you really know about the minor prophets? Now we're going to fix that. There's nothing wrong with it. We're going to help you out. We're going to preach the whole counsel of God. But I'm trying to get you excited. I'm trying to get you pumped up. I'm trying to let you know this is not a waste of time and this is not a boring time. This is going to be good. This is going to be really good. I want you to get looking forward to it. In fact, let me tell you secretly what my goal is. My goal is to get you to the place where you're reading one minor prophet ahead and one minor prophet behind. That you're reading one minor prophet ahead. I know what he's preaching on next week. I'm reading for myself. So if I could see if I could find out what's happening. And then I read one minor prophet behind now that he's explained it. Let me read it for myself and see how powerful it is. Amen. I'm telling you all right. That's my goal. I want you to say, I want to read ahead. I want to read behind. I want to see this all come together. Uh, that's why I'm trying to give you this. I'm trying to let you know this is a big deal. This is going to be important. You're going to get some good stuff out of this. Notice with me in the book of Galatians chapter 4. The book of Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. But when the fullness of the time was come. You cannot underemphasize that phrase I just said. But in the fullness of time was come. God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. You understand that Jesus came at the perfect time in history. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, remember we're talking about world empires, right? The Assyrians, they were followed by the Babylonians. Babylonians were followed by the Persians. The Persians were followed by Alexander the Great in 333 BC. And when he conquered the known world, the one thing that he brought with him was a common language. He forced every city he conquered to speak the same language, and that was Greek. So everyone in the known world knew Greek. After the Greek Empire came and went, it was replaced by the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire conquered the whole world, but just didn't conquer the whole world. They determined to give what was called the Pax Romana, which means Roman peace. And with this, they set up Roman roads, by the way, that are still today. They're still Roman roads today. They were built to last, not like Wisconsin. And they built roads to be as straight as possible. So instead of going up and down hills, if there was a hill, they would fill it in so it would be as straight as possible. If there was a mountain, they would move it out of the way or something so the road would be as straight as possible, as flat as possible, so you could travel on the roads quickly. And then they stationed Roman guards all throughout the Roman empires so you could travel safely. So now you had the Greek Empire, you had the Roman Empire, 
But what you also find out in the prophets that God used the Assyrian Empire to destroy the northern empire, our northern kingdom of Samaria, in what year class? 722 BC. And then he used the Babylonians to, to destroy the southern kingdom in what year class? 586 BC. When he did that, there was a dispersion of the Hebrew people, and most of the Hebrew people never came back. But what they did do is they established what was called a synagogue. And they had a rule for every 10 families you would set up a synagogue. And in every synagogue had a copy of the word of God. So no matter where you went, wherever Hebrew people were at, you had a word of God. And no matter where you went, everyone spoke the same language and you didn't have to worry about learning one. And you could travel anywhere you want in relative peace throughout the Roman Empire. When the fullness of time was come. And the very perfect time of history where God had set up everything for the spread of the gospel to go as quickly as possible. God sent forth his son. And the minor prophets set this up. They show the coming of Christ. But not only the first time. But also when the fullness of time has come in the perfect time of history, Jesus Christ is coming again. And the minor prophets speak about this. And they help prepare us. And just as real and as effective and as specific as the prophecies were for Jesus' first coming, these prophecies are just as real and going to be just as fulfilled and just as specific when he comes the second time. And you need to know them. When the fullness of time was come. You know what that means? God knows what he's doing. He's the one in charge of history. And he set it up. And he organized it. And he knew how people were going to spawn. And he always had one plan. Never a backup plan. And never a plan that was derailed. He had it. And the fullness of time was come. And the minor prophets speak about the wisdom of God. As God is using the world history events. Not Hebrew history. Not Jewish history, but world history to bring across at the most perfect time. The minor prophets are going to build on this knowledge of God, on who God is, to show us God putting this at the right time. This is why the study of the minor prophets is so important. First of all, they teach us about God. Second of all, they teach us about God's plan and help us to respond properly to it. So what is your decision? Remember, we're not just Bible teaching. We're doing Bible preaching. What is the decision I want you to have today? Well, I'm not trying to convict you of sin. I'm not trying to get you to the altar and say, God, please help me. I'm a convicted sinner. My purpose today is to prepare you for the minor prophets that you say, I want to be here. I want to hear. I want to look for God. I want to see how this is going to put together. I want to learn more about my Jesus. And if you come already with that decision, I want, you're going to get more out of this than someone says, ah, no more preaching. You understand? I'm trying to prepare you because this is important. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. In the most perfect time in history, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. Let me tell you, God's timing is always perfect. 
And we're going to see how God sets up world history as his prophets are proclaiming what God is doing and how God is going to do it and why God is going to do it. Because we have that good of a God. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.